This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. Ladies and gentlemen, we're crashing a little bit early today because we got so much to say and do. Welcome to the afternoon here on 3 Triple RFM. That's right, you evolved creature, you're with us and we're with you and it feels good. Oh my God, I'm feeling nice about it. Matt, how are you feeling? I'm feeling all right. Actually, if I'm honest, I'm still sort of up to the guts with hay fever. I am. I'm a little bit over this weather. We whinge about winter, yeah. and then we get the change. And then and pollen then I, comes. And I whinge about that too. And he whinges about the pollen. I know. But oh. other than that, I'm well. You're looking well. Thanks to the scientists who are also looking very well over there in Studio One for another 60 minutes of erudition. Erudition that we can only dream of, ladies and gentlemen. True. But um, if we've been talking about the cranium before, we are moving down to the gustatory matters of uh, of existence here and we're really really happy to join us so um today's show is sitting in the green room we've got a couple very very interesting guests mm. uh one who had a um well a, a flit with almost disaster that happened early on in the year can yes. you remember when three triple r was closed due to incredible water damage the great geyser of east brunswick the great geyser that's right of 2016 yes. well karen batson was sort of mm, an unwitting and uh uh participant in that yes uh, and uh, we might talk a little bit about that but the most important thing is karen batson is one of the greatest thai chefs in this city mm. karen batson of cookie fame if you haven't been there <laughs> Lord, you should. Cookie's one of my favourite places to take out-of-towners because it's just so Melbourne. It is. It's upstairs. It's not very well uh, signposted. You've got to know it's there. It's huge. It's good quality. It's self-assured. It's effortless in the quality that it does. And, uh, yeah, it's an institution and, funnily enough, doesn't appear in the Edge Good Food Guide. Oh, really? (laughs) Anyway, we'll just move on from there. Um, Uh, moving that right along, mm. kicking that can down the road, shall we say, yes. we end up at the glorious part of East Gippsland, and we're talking about Lakes Entrance, where our next guest, Simon Friend, lived, grew up. Mm. A fabulous rural environment to, to live in, also yes. great opportunities for eating fish. Simon became, um, followed in his dad's footsteps, fisherman, but then also got involved in exporting sashimi-grade fish overseas, Mm. and is now part of Friend and Burrell, Um, and he brings in some of the world's greatest foods. And if we're lucky, Mm. well, Matt, you and I, we might get to smell a white truffle. Oh, really? I've never smelled one. Really? I've never even seen one. I've seen lots of black ones. Yes. And we will talk about that um, at length. And, uh, And, of course, we really need to talk to the star of the show, John down there at the Queen Victoria market. Changing of the seasons, what's going on? Well, the most important thing is um, is a, a, a birthday, a very significant birthday. Ah, yes, you were saying, yes. Um, John's father, Joe, 90 years. Let that sink in. And how long have they been at the market as a family? 70 years. Seven zero. So we're going to talk to John a little bit about that, and uh, apparently it is time to go and grab a mango. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. So we'll hear about yes, that good, during good. during market report. But mm. um, before we do get going, I was just looking through some mail that had come through. And uh, lordy, 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 um, I have a email that is talking about the Rock Pool, Rock Pool Group. Yes. And UPG merged to create a $350 million restaurant group. This, I, I That's sh- humongous. I assume this is kind of one of the futures of dining in Australia in the next sort of 20 years are going to be these big, big groups. And, of course, they already exist, but yes. getting even bigger, um, owning more and more brands. And consolidating where, yes. you know, that sort of uh, corral the wagons and increase the power, you yes, could indeed. say. Yes, so, big news. Yeah, UPG. Um, what have we got? Quadrant. I've not, not heard of UPG before, but I don't really work in the biz. So the Urban Purveyor Group yes. business has joined forces with the Rockpool Group to create Rockpool Dining Group. We are big. <laughs> uh, get out of our way. The combined group includes restaurants such as Rockpool Bar and Grill, Sake Restaurant and Bar, Spice Temple, Fratelli Fresh, The Cut Steakhouse, Rosetta. The Bavarian, Munich Brauhaus, El Camino Cantina, Burger Project, Fratelli Famous, 
Cafe Anas and Sake Junior. Right. That's a hell of a portfolio. And now they all share an HR department. Yeah. Well, there'll be um, some interesting opportunities for some people. We were just hearing off air about yeah. some interesting opportunities for a certain designer who's going to be working very, very hard for the next six months outfitting six new venues. Yes. Wow. Good work if you can get it. Mm. It's 12.08 here on 3 RFM. Did we mention we're delighted that you joined us? I was also just, just before we move on, a little bit of housekeeping just to make everyone aware. I'm sure you've heard it if you listen to Triple R, but uh, this month it's our 40th birthday. Unreal. And uh, we won't go through all of the highlights, but some very cool stuff on here. So Max Headroom every week is um, playing a live performance from... Um, different eras. From each decade that we've been on here. Yes. Uh, four o'clock each day is a different year from Triple R, which is um, a good listen. And there's some talks going on down at the uh, soon-to-be-opened State Library exhibition on Triple R. And I saw your name, Cameron, listed there as uh, one of the feature items. Yes, you have to come along for that one. It's going to be amazing. Is that this week or next week or when is that? It's in December. Oh, okay. It's not until December. The date will come up. But I guess one of the things really to look out for, and Mm. you really should go, if you've been emotionally invested in this station, as Mm. as, look, we all have been, um, you should come down to the State Library because it should be an absolutely fabulous exhibition. Yes. 12.09 here on 3 Triple RFM. We're going to be back with Karen Batson. Yes. After this. I can see the look on your face once again. I'm going to Google it as to who that saxophonist is every time we play that. Scene. It's it's almost like a Pavlovian response. Karen Batson, <laughs> it's a pleasure to see you. But you see this that crazy saxophone does something to me, where I think, what sort of crazy person blows a note like that? Well, I think that's something that you could uh, probably do yourself. Yeah, what you do most day, uh, most weeks. Just <laughs> purse your lips together and blow, baby. Um, it's an absolute delight to have you in here. Thank you, pleasure. Did you enjoy our salubrious green room? Oh, it was a very interesting time sitting out there having a chat with Simon. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's going to be. Awesome. Uh, I think he's going to be not backwards be and coming forwards. That's right. He's yeah. a wealth of information there. But speaking of um, trying to go backwards when other people are coming forwards, my lord, let's dial it back to earlier this year, where, well, you were just walking along Blythe Street. Blithely unconcerned about your life and uh, and uh, the possible peril that was about to befall you. Well, I was on my way to Triple R to do an interview, and um, I've been, what could possibly I've go been wrong, you put, putting it off. You know, so um, it's kind of like uh, returning to the scene of the crime. Yes, uh, I actually parked in the same spot and kind of felt a little bit creeped out. So, yes. Um, but uh, just a, a horrendous experience, um, and as you said, the, the you know radio station went down. Um, but I, I was watching. Really I was uh, you know watching that geyser, sort of working out how I could get around it to get into the station. So um, so what happened? There, there was somebody drove around the corner and kept on going yeah. in, maybe not in the way that uh, Vic Rhodes would probably recommend. <laughs> Well, basically, that's right. Yeah. Um, it was an elderly gentleman who I think sort of freaked out when he, you know, uh, realised there was a car coming towards him and <laughs> took it out. Um, then he had to go for the couple of bikes parked there, the fire hydrant, and then I was walking along, you know, beside the brick wall, um, seeing the car coming for me. And with, still coming for and you. And still coming for and me. Still so coming for you. all of a sudden I realised I was could lose my legs. Mm. Um, I actually had my hands on the bonnet of the car and pushed <sighs> myself out. Um, oh and then turned around sort of, you know, thinking it was kind of over. Yes. Um, but he kept, actually put foot down and started chasing me down the street. Oh, my God! <laughs> Why? Stop it! It was just, you know, surreal, the whole experience. So um, then I watched him, you know, go back into the, the medium strip, you know, back into the uh, medical clinic. Yes. So my first reaction was really just to, to go to him and see that he was okay. Mate, but yeah. he was just uh, in shock. So at least it was the medical clinic just next door. Well, that was kind yeah. of uh, that was a, a nice sort of happenstance, I suppose. Well, look, yeah. I'm so glad that you weren't I actually made it injured. Yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> okay. So, uh, right. yeah, there it was. So I just thought I'd, I'd relive that and say... You've made it in, and now it's sort of like getting yeah. back up on the horse. So we I can know. invite you back. I have been avoiding back. this corner for some time. So, so. it's okay now. <laughs> so we can, it's sort of like riding a horse, that you get okay. back up on the horse, and it's and all good. Let's talk about Revolver. 
Okay. Let's go. We're going to go to the way I'm back sure machine. I'm sure we have lots of conversations about Revolver. Well, yes. Um, <laughs> I, I thought maybe we'll just um, focus on food and keep it nice. And keep it uh, neat. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, what is Revolver? For those that might have been born under a brick, under a rock, uh, in a uh, ignorant place, Revolver, what is it? Okay, it's um, infamous. It's an um, album by the Beatles. That <laughs> yes. was one. And one? It was, okay. Yes. All right, you can go through the history of the name. Thanks. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll stop now. All right. Um, but Revolver fundamentally is a, a nightclub in Paran, um, an amazing building that um, was fairly derelict till um, Tan, who owned the building, approached Camillo uh, Polity to mm. um, with this concept bosses. of, you know, like, what can we do with the building? Yeah. You know? um, and Camilla's got a background in nightclubs, so it you know, immediately appealed to him. Yes. Um, you know, nightclub was one thing, and that was kind of, you know, generating its own energy. Um, I yeah. think there was a lot of um, an art scene, under, underground art scene that was happening as well with the music, the DJs. Um, but then what was interesting was um, Tan has his connection with the Thai community. He's president of the Thai Association. Yes. And so he set up a Thai restaurant, at which was a patty Thai restaurant at the back of Revolver. Okay. Which was a brilliant idea. Oh, awesome. it, it, it hadn't been seen at that stage because it's so far as clubs and food, there was like there was never really a, a decent offering of food, was there? Really? Well, it was never considered. You no. know, you sort of just went out to you know drink and dance all night. Um, yes. The fact that you might stay there for twenty four hours, it became you know you sort of realised that maybe you need some food to yeah. sustain that ability. Keep going. <laughs> I got to keep going. Yes. Yeah. So before I go um, down those freaky stairs. But back then, like you know, Thai food. I think was still pretty um, understated, undiscovered. You know, mm. uh, Thai people uh, felt that uh, Westerners or the Farang really all they wanted was a green curry or a spring roll. So fundamentally, you know, uh, I think the you know the grounds of Paddy Thai was based on that philosophy. Um, yep, just give them but, what they want. Yeah, give the yeah. skippies but, but what they want. What was interesting was that you know um, before service, the you know the Thai community they'd sit down on the couches and cook for themselves. Yeah. And that's when we discovered Thai food. So, you know, Camilla was walking past and um, looking at what they were eating Can and we just kind of went, hey, Dude. Yeah, like, what's that? Yeah. And they, and they were like, no, 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 no. Like, you know, the frang you want to eat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you'll hate it. No, you'll, you'll really, really it. hate yeah, it. Yeah. It's delicious food. And it was mind-blowing chilli, you know, flavours, um, things that, you know, you'd only find in Thailand. Okay? Yes. And that's when the penny dropped. It was kind of like, well, why can't we do it? So why can't we have some of that? Yeah, exactly. So that became my job to work with the Thai people, okay, and they would cook for me. Yes, um, and I would go from my experiences of you know traveling in Thailand, like where in Bangkok I got up at four o'clock one morning to you know find out the recipe for the homol for the fish custard. Yes. Okay? Um, so I was like, okay, make that for me. Yeah. Okay, and I I'm kind that. of like you know, and so gradually they kind of you know they got to trust me. I got to understand them more, mm. um, and that's where the menu at Cookie came from. Wow. So, you know, we've now extended it to all the venues in different forms and permutations, but basically the whole concept was about sort of going into the Thai home, into the family, you know, what what do they put on their table? Yes. Okay. But also sort of, you know, looking... And what did they put on their table? Tell, tell me about some of those oh. things. You, tell me about some of the, the, the first... Because it is, you're almost a Karen the Bridge Batson, we'll call, we'll call you. <laughs> um, and, but what, was sort of the, what were the first experiences that you had? Can you remember sort of sitting down going, or the first sort of thing that you were able to say, that's now in my repertoire? Ooh, there's probably so many of them. Mm. Um, it's like picking but, a favourite okay. child, isn't it? Well, the fish custard was always, you know, mm. that was the, the dish that I wanted. Um, and I remember being approached by people who first ate a cookie saying, oh, my God, this takes me back to, you know, being in Thailand and experiencing that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what I loved was uh, that they would try and create dishes that um, – to impress me that were sort of anglified. The things like, um, I mean, one of my favourite has to be the um, the muscle cake, the pancake. It's a street food thing. Yeah. Um, great with a beer. Yeah. You know? So then you've got that sort of perfect marriage of a, you know, a beer hall with uh, Thai food. Yeah. But um, so fresh mussels steamed, you know, with beautiful, you know, aromatics, then tossed through with a batter of um, tapioca and rice flour, a little bit of water. Yes. Then they crack an egg over it. <gasps> Flip it over. Yeah. Okay. Fry it off so it's nice and crispy. Uh -huh. And then we top it with a green mango and cashew salad. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you just rip off pieces of the, the pancake 
roll it around a little bit of the salad and, you know, Bob's your uncle, so to speak. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to 3 Triple R. It's 12, 18, actually 19. Are you hungry? I think you might have just been able to hear my stomach going. Was that yours, Matt? It was someone's <laughs> stomach that's just uh, been working. Ingredients in those days. Was it, was it a challenge to, to yeah, find that, things like things like galangal? That was a complete head trip. Like, yeah, it would have been. Yeah. And um, galangal, what is galangal first for those that... Uh, it's a rhizome, belongs to the uh, ginger family. Same, okay. same, but different. Same, same, but different. Yeah. Um, ginger, like it's far more delicate. Um, yes. You can actually eat it with the um, galangal. It, you infuse it into yes. your soups and um, your curries, but then you take it out. You, you take don't actually out, eat, discard. Eat it. Yeah, you discard yeah. it. But when we first um, opened, I was really struggling, you know, to find uh, ingredients. Uh, I spent a lot of time out at Saigon um, Market in Footscray, mm. uh, Springvale um, Staff's uh, Gardens, raiding uh, for herbs. <laughs> Here comes that crazy I, Karen Basson yeah, again. <laughs> I planted my own kaffir lime tree. Um, yes. Things like that. Oh, kaffir lime, things yeah. that we just take for granted now. Exactly. I've um, got a kaffir lime in the, in the front yard now. Okay. That would have been yeah. really, really rare in those days. But I made contacts um, with some suppliers up in Darwin and <gasps> things like uh, pomelo uh, beetle leaves. So, yeah. and, and this was through, you know, the guys at um, in the Footscray Market. So they put me in touch with them and they were sending down produce for me on a weekly basis. Mm. Sydney's got a bigger Thai community. Yep. Um, so they sort of have a better access to mm-hmm. produce. But when we opened uh, 13 years ago, there really wasn't anyone else doing it. So we were sort of the beginners of um, bringing a lot of that produce in to Melbourne. We, we now have beetle leaves being grown in and around the city now, don't we? I think we've, we've got some. Mm, I'm not sure where. No? No, not that I know of. Okay. Uh, okay. okay. Point is you being that... up. No, no, <laughs> I, I thought that there might have been some growing um, around Victoria Street in there's the community garden where the Housing okay. Commission is. I'm sure I've seen beetle leaves there. But not on the quantity we need. No, not, not that's going to interest you to say, look, uh, just keep them coming. and we'll have a 10 kilo box. And, yeah, no, and, and, and tell you when to stop. But things like, you mentioned pomelo. Mm-hmm. Um, pomelo is, it's a, a relative of the, the grapefruit, grapefruit, isn't it? It's like yeah. a grapefruit it's on a, steroids. On steroids, exactly. You know, it's this sort of, you know, almost football size or, you know, oversized softball. Yes, yeah. And, and but it doesn't have the sourness of um, you know the conventional grapefruit. Gra- um, sorry, grapefruit. Mm. Um, and it's like these. Um, you you know you take the pith off it, then you um, peel the actual segments of the pomelo, and then it's these beautiful little um, ge- Droop- gems. Droplets, yeah, I think, is the yeah. is the term for that. You can apparently and um, and but you mix that, and it's just this little. Bing you break it up and yeah. And mix it through. Unfortunately, I think they're just going out of season now, aren't they? Just starting to, it's yeah. A, it's a bit of a yeah. drag that in the middle of winter, that's when they're around. All citruses are famous, yeah. So there you are in um, making this bridge and starting to understand the Thai culture and just building on your knowledge. And it must have been, oh, it must have just been a perpetual gut rush. It must have been fantastic doing it that. It still is. Yeah. It's awesome. Like, you know, every day I sort of get a bit blown away. You know, um, I'm working on menus at the moment, went into the kitchen, and, you know, one of the boys had, um, you know, the hot pan going and these, you know, um, little uh, julienne of white, something white. And I was like, you know, what's that? What's and, that? and he said, oh, pig fat. And I was kind of like, right. Okay. Uh, what are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? What are you and doing said, with that? Well, it was an off cut, and so they um, rendered it, deep fried it. Yes. And then tossed it through with kaffir lime, red curry paste, um, and just turned it into something amazing. Oh. Um, I don't know if I could eat much of it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, a little bit. So we haven't even spoke about how did Cookie come about after Revolver? Um, well, Revolver originally was you know, the nightclub and Patty Thai. So yeah. uh, Cookie really was an extension of the mm. the philosophy, the concept. So and it was bringing it to the city, but on a you know what I guess it's probably a little bit more sophisticated level. It, yes. This time we wanted to make it about the food. We wanted to make it about the beer. Yes. You know. um, and what a and marriage in heaven that yeah. is. So, and, and along with that was, you know, the DJs that backed it all up. So it was, you know, sort of um, making, you know, the restaurant non, you know, sacred. It was where you could have fun. Mm. So, you know, the music would pump up and the you know, food was spicy, hot. You could eat, you know, 
in the middle of the day, the restaurant didn't close. We opened at midday. We went through till you know eleven o'clock, you know twelve o'clock at night. Mm. So there was no no sort of um, rhyme or reason. You could sort of do whatever you wanted. Except you had the holy trinity. When you think about it, you know, great food, great booze, yep. and great music to to keep you. And Absolutely. it's become what I would say is one of Melbourne's great institutions. Absolutely. And back then, you know, the city was. Um, you know, um, calling out for it. All yeah. the apartments were built, you know, um, opening up around us, you know, with the um, RMIT. Yeah, talk about um, great timing. Yeah, yeah. We were told we were crazy for opening upstairs, mm. um, like who would go upstairs. But, you know, revolvers upstairs. I think all our venues have got stairs. And <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk to me about the revolver stairs. My God, I had a friend of mine who used to have a Rhodes piano that used to have to carry it down. Yep. And he nearly died a couple of times. But um, the, we won't talk about that. No, no, we, we, we won't talk about that. The fact is that if you want to go to Cookie, you're in one of the great buildings of Melbourne. Some call it um, a vertical laneway in the fact that within these one walls, there are so many interesting places. Yeah, it's turned into an awesome building. Yes. So um, there's so much happening in it with the, the rooftop cinema, um, Metropolis Bookshop. Mesa Verde. Mesa Verde. Is Kath the still there Kath's still doing it. Oh, can you She's give her awesome. a big hug for me? I will. All right. Well, look, we're going to have to go because uh, it's going to be time to go to market very, very soon. But uh, Matt's curated a, a beautiful track. But before we go to that, Karen, thank you so much. I'm glad yeah. that it's uh, been easier for you to come in. Uneventful. <laughs> which is uh, which I've is great. In one piece, thank yeah, you. Uh, Matt. Some music, Cameron. Sounds dirty. Oh yeah. Okay. You're on Triple R. All right, ladies and gentlemen. John's here. He's organising a cup of coffee. He's organising people because that's the way he is. He's like the air traffic controller of vegetables here at the market. How's the runway? Is it looking clear? Yeah, they're starting to warm up a little bit. A bit of activity, which is good. Mm. The sun's coming out as usual. It's a little bit breezy, but I expect it to be a reasonable day. Yeah, it's, it's sort of warm. There's an underlying warmth underneath it, which is kind of good. It is, and, and, it's, and it can like just it. get better. Now, the first thing we need to do, before we go anywhere in regard to what we have produce-wise in front of us, is there has to be an acknowledgement. There has to be recognition. And there also has to be great happiness and felicitations. And I'm going on a little bit, but... Your dad turned 90, didn't he? He turned 90 earlier this year. And Happy birthday to Joe. Thank you. And more important, our business turned 70 this month. And there was um, a commemoration for that? Yeah, we had the inaugural um, uh, commendation nights or awards night. Yeah. Uh, they took uh, a, lot of, um, a lot of us down to Docklands there and we had a... Um, a night where they had music and food and um, recognised a few of the older boys and some of the very young boys as well. Some have only been running their own stores for 12 months and um, Mm. they got an award, which is very, very good for the young ones to to be acknowledged and and give them a a get-on-with-it sort of um, thing. (laughs) It was sort of like, uh, yeah, the good-on-you award, but the real good-on-you award, I mean, 70 years, so, you know, we're... It's quite an achievement. Well, well what uh, happened? Did Joe get all teary? Did he tear up or anything? Or well, no, he's not the type. He's, I know. I said he, that his exterior, his his exterior is very, very tough. But I couldn't ask for a better, better father. He'll do anything for me. He's ninety. He still comes down to the wholesale market with me on a Wednesday morning. I pick him up a quarter to four. Oh my God. He walks around the market. It's about a two-kilometer walk. Yeah. If um, he doesn't say hello to someone, it's always someone that's going to pull him up and say hello to him. And uh, he's still my main tomato buyer. Yeah. The um, the agents there, uh, they know he's buying for me. If I go there, they'll quote me one price. If he goes there, say, Uncle, come on, we'd do better price for you. And, and they know it's my business, but <laughs> the respect that, that's given by all of them is unbelievable. And it's family, yeah. family more than any. And that's very important in any walks of life. It is. All right. Well, here's a, here's a serious question, John. What's What's the greatest gift that he's given to you or imparted to you about either buying the stuff in front of you or just this business? Actually, in life, not just in business, yeah. you know, because he had it so hard, mm. they, they tried to work a little bit smarter. So he's taught me, and I've been trying to teach the uh, young boy that's working with me, he's studying um, commerce and that, 
I kept saying to him, if you do something, do it once, do it properly. Don't pick something up and put it aside if you know you can do something with it. Mm. Um, and always aspire to do the best you can. So that's why we're happier to bring in a better line of vegetables, mm. pay a little bit more, sell it a little bit dearer, not worry about the competition. If it's worth it, we'll buy it. And if it's not worth it, we won't buy it. People are disappointed with my eggplant this week. I say, sorry, that's the best I can get. Mm. But two weeks ago, I had eggplant. I was selling $2 above the market price. Yes. But if you looked at it, they looked like little babies, shiny, purpley coloured eggplant. Yeah, no mottled skin. No mottled skin, nice green stalk, had a little bit of give. People look for hard eggplant. Hard eggplant, usually full of seeds. That's right. It's had a little bit of give. When you cut them in half, they're milky white. Mm. Make a brilliant parmigiana. Even just quickly fried, can't go wrong. So that's what we try to do. Happy birthday, Joe. Can you pass on um, our regards and uh, and my regards specifically to say a very, very happy birthday and congratulations? We will. Thank you. All right. Now, on to what we've got in front of us. Uh, First of all, uh, the rains. The rains have come. They've they've been. It's been a soggy winter. Um, I'm hearing ramifications of it, especially in um, in one thing. Okay, potatoes. In that, a lot of people have been having trouble getting out into their paddocks to plant, to pick, and subsequently we might see a bit of a shortage around about March next year. Well, I don't worry about March. You know, I don't sell washed potatoes. So people are always asking me for little white chats. Mm. Now, I keep saying to people, I won't sell them, right. because as soon as you bring them out, they go green. They go boom. They do. They fall over. They pick them, they wash them, they put them in the fridge. So you bring them out, they go green. Yeah. So I don't bother. And also, they're washed with chemicals. Yeah. So we sell dirty potatoes mostly. I love now, a dirty potato. Yes. Now it's got own. its own covering. It's That's protection. Right. Protection, of course. We're all born with some sort of protection. Yeah. Our immune system, our gut system, everything. Yeah. Yeah. And even a veggie, there's the sun. So we'll sell Desiree's because they're easier to wash. They don't use little, if anything, chemicals when they wash them, and they keep really well. Mm. We make sure they're not in the light too long. So uh, a couple of weeks ago I heard they were asking $70 for 15 kilo potatoes. What is it usually? Um, well, $10, $15. Whoa, okay. A big now difference. You, now you've got our right? attention. Now, yeah. so it's now. <coughs> okay. Yeah. Now, as you said, they can't get in to the field to pick them. No. So, what happens to the owners of the land? And we're not the owners of the land. No. I'll show you the potato. So, hang on. I'll All right. John's just going to race over and get me a potato. This is pretty exciting stuff. If only you can see him move. Oh, he's got a good... Whoa, look at that one. Yeah. Because of the weather they can't get in, the potatoes keep growing, growing, growing because their job. Yes. But the owners of the land, the grubs, the birds, everyone else... The, com- the competitors. Competitors? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, they're the owners, not competitors, oh, mate. Yeah. We're the competitors. Okay. They say, beauty, we got food, we have a feast, so what's wrong with this potato? It's got a wormhole in it. It's like a woody woodpecker's been there. Yeah. It. So someone's had a feast. Yeah. Good luck to them. Yeah. But we still have to eat, so we cut around the hole, yeah, I'm and we'd be grateful to have it. Either that or we don't eat. So yeah. we have to be, uh, well, normally this would have been classed as a second. Mm. We have to be adaptive. That's right. Yeah. And that's what life's about, too. Yes. That's another thing my dad told me. Yeah, be adaptive. <laughs> okay, but this is a bigger-than-normal potato. Great for baking, great for chips. Yep. Um, it'll still steam well, boil well, and it's a sabago. Yes. My favourite potato. It's a floury potato. Yeah. My family, they love Desiree's. Do they? Yeah, can't help everyone. But Desiree's a lovely potato, don't get me wrong. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's one of the now problems, not necessarily even next year. Next year may be worse. Yeah, yeah, right. So keep praying. This is a lucky country. Normally I predict doom and gloom and what happens. Some other state opens up and we got their veggies as well. So um, we can't complain about that. So have you put, uh, have prices gone up on the spuds you've got here? Yeah, normally about this time I'd be selling Desiree's about... You know, three dollars a kilo. We're selling four. Okay. I've seen five around. Yeah. Uh, it depends on how good they are, how shiny they are. Uh, but nothing wrong with the potato. Looks a little bit tired. Mm. Uh, the older they are, the less moisture in the potato. The better they cook. They make better gnocchi. Bake better. Yeah. Um, you, you, if you boil a very, very young potato, you have to be careful. You don't waterlog it. An older potato won't soak up the water as much. 
So there are advantages and disadvantages. And that's why some people say that whenever you boil a potato, you should still have the little jacket around it so it doesn't soak up all that water, which is good. See you later. See you, Clark. Yes, um, there are little tricks to everything. Everything. All right. Um, uh, so you've brought in um, Kiwi Rup's finest? Yes. Um, now, hopefully, Asparagus. Sorry. Hopefully my wife's not listening because... Um, uh, we were making fun of her last night at dinner because oh. she did something out of the normal. What? Normally she doesn't watch the TV shows, cooking shows, and then go and cook because she's an excellent cook. Yeah. So normally she gets the beautiful spears and chops them and either steams them very lightly and we put olive oil yes. or our omelette, whatever. Or the omelette, yeah. But uh, she was watching a program Friday night. What? So this lady, uh, Italian as well, got the beautiful big spears like ours, so she must have been a lucky girl too. Brush them with oil, put them in the oven, and then put the parmigiana on top just as she was bringing it out and brought it to the table. Sounds good. And Franca did the same. Good. And we're sitting there eating these asparagus, and they were gorgeous, you know, really crunchy, tasty, mm. vibrant colour. And saying, ha, ah, you're getting trendy watching the TV shows. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm taking my life into my own. No, no, how did she handle that? She smiled. <laughs> hey, okay, well, that's when good. she sees that we eat her food, she knows even if we complain, we're happy. Yeah, yeah. She's learned by now. Oh, thank God. Okay, so all was calm and good at, uh, calm at the table, good. at John's table. Now, we were talking about old age before, but now we're going to talk about something new age. Yep. What colour is this, mate? Uh, it's sort of a... It, the, we're looking at garlic bulbs on the stem, um, slightly magenta-y, uh, yeah. Russet, uh, yeah. russet red. They've dried out a little bit. When I got them uh, Wednesday, they were covered up, so the air hadn't got to them. Yeah. And they were really a vibrant, like a baby, vibrant colour. Um, and this is a new season garlic. Pinky red. Pinky red. Yeah, yeah. This is a new season garlic from um, up Swan Hill Way. Uh, it's about as thick and long as an egg. Still got the stem on it. Yeah. I've been telling the people, cook the strap as well, because when you open it up, there's still a lot of life in the stem. So that you chop it up and throw it in a fry pan with maybe a, a bit of oysters, uh, not oysters, prawns or mm. onion or and eggs and things like that. The two and three go well together. Yep. Uh, and when you eat this young garlic, you don't smell like when you eat the really old stuff because the old stuff gets hot. Yeah. Uh, this is just so sweet. This looks beautiful. Very too. good to chop it up and put it in through roasted capsicums. Yeah. Raw, not cooked. Uh, good with the, good with those spuds we were putting in yeah, the oven. Good with the, the spuds. In, the, in about the last twenty minutes, I reckon. Not even. Know. Not even. Not even. Just warm the garlic through. Okay. When you when you cut it, it's even still translucent inside. Yes. You know, it's very clear. It's not dense and white and yellow, smelly stuff. Mm. So, um, you know, we're selling these. There's three in this bunch. They're fairly big. They're 360 but well, I've got some with four inch. or five heads for $3. Gee, so, um, you know, the people have been hanging out for it, and it ran away, so it's good. Unreal. Okay, so new season garlic is in. Hallelujah. Have you had a mango yet? No, I was no. looking at some yesterday. My eyes were popping. Getting so, close. No, no, today's got to be day. We're going to have the best one, and here's the mango king. Hey, Benny. Oh, yeah, there he is. I'm the top. Hey, the mango's good to go, yes? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Ready? Go for him. The wow factor. The wow. Wow. There Queensland you go. or Northern Territory? Catherine. Catherine. Okay, there you go. There you go. We got it straight from, from the, the best person in the world. mouth. So yeah. he's on the corner up H Shed. H Shed. Yeah. What's that street that's there? I never know what that is. That's Queen Street. That's Queen Street. So he's yeah. on the Queen Street, and you're yeah, going to see him. His name is? Ben. Ben, said g'day. So we, uh, yeah. John sent you. That's right. Yeah. Like a lot of people do, and they always get looked after, because then if I don't wear, like I was saying before, we're a family. We work together. We recommend each other if we know that the other person's got the good stuff. Mm. And if we know they haven't got good stuff, we send them somewhere else. Go somewhere else. Well, we look after each other and, and, and our customers. And that's the thing. You are surrounded. This is veg place, predominantly, Yeah. And you're surrounded by amazing fruit to yeah. either side of you. All right. Oh, we eat well. Yeah. And we live long. All right. We may as well... Um, oh, we should probably move on a bit. Um, almost pick of the market. How much are the broadies this week? Broadies, well, they're getting towards the end. This is a very light crop. Mm. Even though in Melbourne they're probably just starting. These are coming from the border. It's warmer up there, so they'll finish earlier than ours. Yes. $5 a kilo. They are beautiful, big broad beans. There's about eight to ten beans in every uh, stick, but mm. they are tender. They're not hard. You don't have to double peel them. I know you will. I know my mum no, will. No, I won't. I don't always do it. All right. I'll don't forgive make you your assumptions. assumptions. All right. 
You so, assume too much, Jim. All right, so <laughs> there to go. Have a look at this beautiful... I've got a, a beautiful uh, little carry bag here. It's got the Aussie flag on it. Yes. And it says white seedless grapes. Seedless grapes. These are the first grapes from uh, North Queensland. Thompson's? Uh, no, this is Menindi. Oh, the Menindi. Menindi okay. grape, which is now grown all over the world, but were developed here in Australia, I believe. Because mm. we got the Menindi station here. Actually, that, that's a throwback. It's got a little seed in it. I've never seen a seed in these. That's not bad. But there's a little bit of grip to that. Also, bit, yeah. I've just brushed my teeth, so it tastes yeah, kind of weird. Well, it's better. That's a good sensation. <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, so the grapes 12 at the moment, but they will come down every day, they'll get cheaper. Yep. And cherries have kicked in as well. Ooh. I saw some that are very small, but buy a couple and have a try. Yep. So, we're doing a marker pick. We're going to have a mango. Going to have a mango. Going to do it. I've been enjoying Corella pears. Yes. And I had some oranges, I abused my mate because he sold me oranges. There were 28 little oranges in a bag, and normally we have bigger ones, 16s, 14s in a bag. But I ate three of them. They were just so sweet. Exceptional. So the girls have been making orange salad. Peel the orange, slice it on a platter flat, drizzle sugar, olive oil, mint leaves. Oh, mint leaves. Oh, yeah. Or a little bit of vanilla. Yeah. Vanilla? Oh, yeah, mate. Yeah, you've got to get into this stuff. And... Finocchio. Finocchio. And even, believe it or not, Thinly sliced onion goes in there sometimes yeah, too. Sounds great. A little bit of pepper. A little bit of pepper. Don't forget a little bit of salt on the top. Yeah. Oh my god. That sounds good. Life the is possibilities. Good. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's um, a couple more things while right. we sort of look around. So, would you get cherries yet? No. No. Wait. Okay. Um, avocados. Yes. Yes. There's big ones and small ones. Yeah. You know, if you use a little bit, get a small one. If you use a big one, well, then you've got to put it in the fridge, and then you've got to make sure it doesn't go black. Oh, that's nothing so, worse, is it? Nothing worse. So yeah. you, you want to get one cut in half, use it all, yeah. get on with it. Don't say, know. honey, I ruined the avocado. Yeah. No, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. um, Capsicums are the, right at the, the moment? Capsicums are a little bit dearer, yeah. yeah. Uh, $8. I've got some out of Queensland for $6. Still very juicy, very sweet, a lot of vitamin C, mm. um, beautiful colour on a pizza and a sandwich or a salad or grilled. I love them stuffed. I've got to talk to the wife about that and convince her to do it for me. Yes. Bananas, dime a dozen, $2 a kilo. It's a giveaway price. Yeah, that people, is giveaway. I don't know. Why do people stop eating bananas when they're cheap? But there we go. Yeah. Um, carrots are a little bit harder to get at the moment. They're coming out of um, Queensland. Quality's not as good as we like, but still very good. The local Dutch carrots are to die for. Yes. A little bit smaller. Then they've got a softer core, more colour, more sugar, mm. more everything. Even glazed with a little bit of honey or even roasted with the potatoes. They're beautiful. Oh, sounds good. What can I say? As, as normal, walk through the market, have a look. Pick the eyes out Pick of the, the market. Pick the eyes out of the market. There are so many varieties of mushrooms, so many varieties of apples. Um, there's beautiful peas and beans. They're still a little bit expensive but worth buying. Cabbages have been going off because a little bit of warm weather. People are either making cabbage rolls or coleslaw um, or even steamed cabbage. I had a beautiful steamed cabbage. It was puce red. Yes. Ugly looking colour. My mum said, what is that? But she ate it. It was so sweet. Yeah. So get into the cabbages as well. Easy to deal with. You know, you don't have to do old style, you know, salt them, put them in a jar or whatever so you can eat them next year. We've got them all the time. Yeah. You know, just so lucky. It's all here. It's all here. So get out there and have a look. Again, happy birthday to Thank Joe. You. 90 years, 90 70 years, years here at the market. Yes, and still loving it. Wow. And a Saturday he's out on the stall as well, giving me a hard time and talking to the customers and still giving them advice. I can't believe he'd give you a hard time. No, not at all. <laughs> all right, mate, we're going to go. Thank you as always, John. We'll see you soon. Bye, mate. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, damn right they are. And I'm going to be there for that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Mm. I'd love to see lots of people down there for the celebrations of Juniper. We're celebrating a man who's come into the studio today, Simon. Friend, a very, very good afternoon to you. Afternoon, Cam. Thanks for joining us. No worries, mate. Um, they say, from little things grow. And uh, they, you, there you were, a young sprog down there in uh, Lake's Entrance. Yes. What was that like growing up? That would have been... Oh, it was a wonderful time in my life. I, I've been very blessed because I come from a lovely family and my dad was a fisherman mum was a hairdresser yeah and dad 
met mum and she had a pair of red corduroy pants on and he stole her off another fellow and and that's how our life started. He ran away from Wesley College to become a fisherman. Yeah. And he rings me every day. But moving along... That was um, quick. You growing, did that fast. <laughs> growing up growing, yeah. <laughs> growing up was good. I had a little boat yeah. and I used to catch fish in the front lake and I was telling the lady before about Karen, you know, yeah. Karen about catching mullet in a... In a milk in bottle? In a milk bottle, yeah. How do you catch a mullet in a milk bottle? You put a bit of bread in it. Yeah. And you put it in, the mullet, mullet go in to get the bread out of it. The, the old milk bottles, you know, they had a big neck on them. Yes. And then you dive on it with really, great excitement. Really quick and just snatch it up before mm. the mullet goes, hey, what's mm. going on? You take it home to your mum and she says, son, that's delicious because mullet, of a uh, golden eye mullet need to be eaten very quickly. Because of the, the level of blood in it. And oh, so blood. Mm. Is that sort of like, mm. uh, of say, fish. a mackerel is a bit like mm. that? Yeah, a little bit similar to that, yeah. Yeah, mackerel you've got to eat, I reckon, mm. within about a few hours. Yes, Otherwise, it's way. just... Blah. And, um, yeah, there's a, and Trevally can get a little bit oily like that too, can't they? Mm, we used to export the Trevally to Japan. Well, that's it. You left here. You had to leave Lakes Entrance. What was the? What made you leave? Uh, I went to... My dad got in the offshore gas industry and went to Indonesia and I was lucky enough, I'm the youngest of three kids, so yes. off I went to Jakarta for a couple of years. How old were you when you got there? 16. Whoa, eye-opener. Yeah, it was an experience. Yeah, lucky boy. First time I went in an aeroplane, first time I went in an aeroplane, I sat in the first class. And, uh, in the front of the, in in the, front the plane? In the front of the plane. Really? I had my little suit on. Hey, you thought I can get used to this. <laughs> this is all right. Yeah, I got over there and it was... I thought there was a fire or something. It was so hot when I got off the plane. I hadn't been in the tropics before. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and also the humidity just hits you like a wave, doesn't it? Yeah, and uh, I couldn't hang on to my tennis racket very well. So, <laughs> But I um, ended up going up there to school and it was a great, great period of my life. I was very spoiled. But because I'd been to boarding school, I had a bit of discipline. So hmm. Now you can see my discursive nature coming in. I told a good friend of mine told me I was discursive. Uh, and uh, and so you are, you are showing. So it was so Jakarta. You you left uh, Lake's entrance to go to Jakarta, and this great food was the thing that defined you and the thing yes. that you were interested in. Mm, well, I'm pretty blessed really because my mother was a, quite an extraordinary cook, and she of red corduroy pants. Mm, yes, and uh, <laughs> and I. Uh, Shannon went to Tassie with me one year and he saw my mother's pantry and he said, gee, your mother's got an amazing pantry. Mm. And I, I wasn't surprised. I said, well, don't be surprised at that, you know. Mm. So we grew up with great food and um, mum learned all the different cuisines. She was just very capable at it. Really? Yeah. And so that, that pantry was a reflection of it. Mm. And that let's was down it. on Bruny Island. Yeah, it was a period of life when mum and dad retired on Bruny Island. And you've been sort of looking at uh, filling people's pantries up with interesting food ever since, have you not? Yeah, I, it's a funny story, Cam. I, I I had a friend and he looked at my business card and he said, I'll make you a new business card. I said, I'm not going to spend that money with you on a business card. He said, no, I'll do it for you. And he put the world's finest foods on it. Yes. He put Simon Friend, the world's finest foods, and... I thought, oh, you can't say that. He said, well, that's what you want to why do, not? isn't it? Yeah. yeah, why not? So he, he, was a, yeah, he was a marketing guy. He's a good friend of mine. And yeah. So that was interesting. Put, Miss, put Mr. That. Sell the Sizzle. Mm. So that's when I started, and uh, I thought, no, nah, I'll just do the best ingredients I can, mm. what, what are the, what, which is interesting in itself. What, what, are the, what are the world's finest foods? So, well, it's in the, the eye of the beholder, is it not? Good point. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about that this morning, and I was thinking, no, just because something's expensive, I mean, when you go to Europe and you see the tomatoes they've got there. and Like the San Marzano type. Mm. Yeah. When you when you experience these different things around the world, I've been blessed just to come back from Europe. Mm. And um, my wife and my son, we had a wonderful holiday and I reflected on it in Crete when I got a little boat and I put a rope out and I said, right, I jump on the back of the rope because Dad used to tow me around on the fishing boat on the fish lids, fish box lids, my brother and I. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that in Greece, and it was wonderful. That was much better than spending a lot of money on some fancy equipment to me. It's, it's, it's intriguing, isn't it? A, a, just, just, a, a, just a rope. A piece of rope. Yeah, throw uh, it off behind the outboard. The Aegean Sea yeah. around you and a beautiful sky. Yeah. yeah. Don't need much more than that, do you? No, and then go, go on shore and have the best goat I've ever eaten in my life. 
And maybe that's it, that sometimes when, say we're going to have a picnic and people get all sort of thing, you've got to have this, you've got to have that, you've got to have that. Some of the best picnics I have could be just a loaf of bread, a sensational tomato, correct? some great olive oil, Spot and, on. and maybe a bit of salt and maybe a French knife to cut it with, a laguiole no. knife. And that's all you need. And if you can forget quantity... It's that's about filing quality, and that's sort of what has defined your life, is it not? Yes, yeah, less is more. Yeah. I've, I've learned that less is more. Mm. It's funny you mentioned that. A couple of my mates from Danilicum were down in Tassie with me, Jimmy and Alan, and we were down at Dad's, and Dad had the best vegetable garden possible. Yes. Um, he even bought in some Dutch creams in the early days. Really? Because he had a girlfriend in from that part of the world that bought him the seeds. <laughs> the, 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 the famous Dutch girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, she was from Copenhagen. Oh, okay. Anyway, um, that was some... We, the boys really enjoyed that, and that's exactly what we had. Got some of those tomatoes out of the garden and some great olive oil and some bread, and Jimmy's always raved about that day. So It sticks, doesn't it? It sticks. You know, you, you the, get a the, great the simple yeah. things in life can be the most profound, and I'm... And I'm wondering that, you know, when you were talking about getting the world's finest food and you said, well, no, I'll find the best that I can, what were the first things that – what was the first ranges you had? What was the, the first thing The vanilla bean was the first thing that I ever did. Yes. A friend of mine needed to make a quid at the time, which is not unusual. hasn't been unusual in my life. Yes. And uh, he came along with his vanilla beans and I said, what are they? This is actually quite interesting. <laughs> what are those black things? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He said, oh, they're – I said, what are they worth? Who buys them? He said, yeah. oh, they're – Pastry chefs use them. Mate, you can charge a fortune for them. So I went off and talked to the wholesalers because that was the nature of my experience with seafood. So who was bringing stuff in? I think we had Sockermen in those days. Yeah, they were they were about. There was in South Melbourne. So I, I, I went and saw quite a few of the wholesalers, the yes. essential ingredients and the creative, different people, um, creative ingredients. And they said, no, we're all pretty right. Thanks. Um, thanks, though. You don't know much about what you're doing, which is a reasonable basis at the time, I suppose. Yes. But that encouraged me to go to the chefs. So I had these vanilla beans, <laughs> and I remember, and I went to see the chef, and I said, how much are you paying for those? And, uh, he, and I said, well, you can you can have it for half the price, but you've got to buy a kilo off me. Ah. Yeah. And I said, you got any mates? So there, there, there began my love affair with uh, Melbourne chefs, mm. and I... I love my life because I'm very blessed. I get up each day and I go and see all my friends. I try and give with Brian and I try and give them good service, and um, they um, they they basically we we always put ourselves in the position in their position. Yes, because so, we come from a small business background. So empathy mm. is sort of the thing to understand your mm. consumer, and then also the fact that you're willing to actually travel to have that one-on-one -on -one relationship mm. with people. Yeah, I don't like disappointing my friends. It's it's just a sort of built into it's built into our service, our, our relationships with the chefs and the ethos, the ethos of it. Yeah. And, and when you're in high-end foods and you're in tr white truffles that, that I'm doing at the moment, which requires a lot of encouragement on my part and I need to understand the nature of the people's business so that they can I've learned over the years not to load you up with too many truffles because I want you to be successful with them. I was going to say and you also have to have pretty fast legs because uh, a truffle is a perishable thing is it not? Awfully awfully perishable. A lot faster than the, the black truffle. The black truffle will last longer than a yeah, white truffle. Yeah in some, in some ways yes. Yes I think that's a fair comment. The white truffle of course is fascinating and, uh, and because it's beaten humans to this point in time. A dear friend of mine's oh. trying to grow some at the moment. Yes, it has. Uh, it's beaten them. So um, Because we are now sort of – we were talking off-air actually a, a day. Yesterday we were talking about this in the fact that the Australian truffle industry is so established now that we have a time frame within a year where Australians – a lot of Australians, not all – will go, it's truffle time. Yes, we were. I was, I was trying to work out – how how these white truffles get sold around the world. Mm. A friend of mine pointed out to me, he said, Friendy, Mate. Italy, yeah. they look forward to white truffle season like you wouldn't believe and they're on every menu around around Italy. So the Italians embrace it, so therefore most of the white truffles consumed in Italy 
don't escape Italy because no. they're all consumed there. Now, yeah. um, we've sort of coming towards the end. I'm just interesting in um, your different things that you've got. First of all, just quickly, I like the way that you describe uh, the truffles as the, the wood wide web. Knitting the the yes. sole together was uh, I've never that's heard right. that. I thought I'd just uh, say that's great. Yes. What are the other things that you you bring in in your lines of uh, products? Uh, we have a great relationship with an Iranian family, and yes. we bring them the saffron in from there. The crocus pluckers. Mm, yes, we're, we're very proud of that, and we, we we provenance to us and our relationships with our suppliers is just as important as anything else. Mm. We're only as strong as our well, our relationships with the people we work with, and that's taken. That's probably what I learnt in Lakes Entrance all that time ago. And um, so it's not about money. It's it's about making a living. Um, but it's it's a passionate thing. And, the, and it's about the relationships you make on the way. Mm, and it's fun. Yeah. I meet a lot of people. My, my Greek friends, the Bataga I bring from Greece, they're very kind to me and they pick me up from the airport with my wife and my son and take us to the best restaurant in Athens. And When we went to London, we... Caught up with Antonio Carluccio, and he's a lovely, beautiful man. He took me to his restaurant. Is he still smoking Marlboro ribs? No, he's not smoking he's Marlboro off ribs. He's off him. Yeah. And to finish off, the funniest thing, my my Hungarian boy that I've mentored for the truffles, he, I taught him an English language, and he said unedible, and I said no, inedible. So when the truffle dish came out at Antonio, Antonio asked him if he liked it, and he said it's inedible. <laughs> <laughs> And then Antonio looked at him. So what do you say? He had a bit too much uh, synthetic truffle oil on it, and Antonio called the chef over and was very kind to him said, please don't use as much of that as you are because it's been, been inedible. It's not very nice. <laughs> and one of the things that you said was... Uh, I had to get that in. Th- that was good. Yeah. But one of the things was purist. been part of, and speaking of P words, there was uh, these P words that have underpinned your life. Oh, yeah, it's the passion, the p- perseverance, the people. Mm. Provenance, yeah. It's, I can't it, remember the other three. But they're there. And I guess the thing is that one of the great things about food and selling food is it's a beautiful way to make a living, is it not? It is, Cam. Mm. It is. And uh, there are people around that are very passionate about it and there are people that do it for other reasons. And um, that's that, the difference. And they uh, and, and they expose themselves pretty quickly, I think, when we a lot of us see through that. Yeah, Australia, Melbourne's a very competitive town. It's mm. one of the best places in the world to yeah. diversified eating. So we're all very lucky here living in this town. Yeah. No well, question about that. Thank you very, very much for joining us. It's great to see you. you should come back and we'll talk about some more Thanks, ingredients. Mate. Can we do that? Yeah, no worries. It's been fun. What do you reckon? Thanks, now? I think it's a good oh, idea. It's like a great idea. Um, let's see. We're talking about Friend and Burrell. If you want to look on the website, Matt's going to put it up because yeah. it's good like that. Yeah. It is one o'clock now. We need to move across because... Guess what's on Sunday lunch this week? I know. I know. It's the Plonk Boys. Plonk is back for all of November. They look pumped. It's odd seeing Duncan walk into a, a studio with wine. It's not our studio. I know. Feel, feel we, we, we might have to go and uh, prepare to yes. uh, repel borders, Duncan. <laughs> We're coming in. Uh, lots of great stuff happening this afternoon. Why would you want to go anywhere else? Because you're on the trip. Mm. Simon, again, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a delight. Right. Matt, it's been a delight. Yes. Um, and to you out there, enjoy the rest of your day. You don't have to eat much, but just make sure it's really, really nice. Thank you. Bye. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.